In order for what's been broken to be put back together, it has to cost somebody something. And because there is this enmity between God and man, because God is perfect and we are not, because God never fails and we fail, there's this brokenness between us. And Jesus, in and of himself, through the cross, in his own body, took the punishment to reconcile us. Part of parenting is teaching your kids how to make things right when they've messed up. From cleaning up messes to saying that they're sorry, children learn how to work toward restoring what's been broken. Today, Pastor Daniel continues in this series about seeing who Jesus is more clearly. He shares that Jesus came to reconcile humanity to God. Our choices separate us from the Lord, but Jesus makes a way for us to be right with God again. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Colossians chapter 1 as he begins a new study called Jesus Reconciles. So for all of us, relationships are such an important part of life. I mean, I remember when I was uh, in college and I was studying psychology, that was my major when I went to college. And I I remember childhood psychology, and I remember all the discussions about how important it is, relationships, touch, warmth, friendship, how important it is for little children and for a child who doesn't have for whatever reason, that kind of interaction, how important it is. And I remember hearing about how, for all of us, relationships are one of the defining points of our life. Healthy relationships, relationships that are, that are uplifting, that are building us up, are so important. But we all know what it's like when a relationship that's supposed to build us up ends up breaking in pieces. You know, as 20 years as a pastor, I've talked to so many people where there's been discord in relationships, struggles in relationships, where for whatever reason, two people who should be close, maybe they were close at one time, but then things happen. And when, you know, you realize that when something happens, everybody deals with whatever happens in their own ways. I grew up in one of those families, and and my bride Lynn and I talk about it all the time. Uh, the way that we were designed, when something went on, everyone just talked about it. So it was like everyone just sit down, you kind of hash it out over the table. Uh, everybody got to share, hey, this is what bothered me, this is what I didn't like, I didn't, you know, and let's just work the thing out. You know, other families are, are different than that. Some families, they never talk about what happened, right? Like it's like something happens and we just don't, we, we pretend like it didn't happen. And, and so everybody deals with the relational discord of life differently. But here's the deal. No matter if you hash it out and fight it out loudly face-to-face or you never talk about it, either way, when relational discord happens, the only way to be able to move forward is for there to be reconciliation. That's the only way. We just went through this. Our, our, our youngest, Annabelle, we love her so much. She is so fun. Annabelle is, we like to say she's spirited because she totally is. But sometimes Annabelle, in her spiritedness, uh, sometimes she can say things in a way that she doesn't, I don't know that she means it that way, but it comes off really, really, really harsh. So this just happened just the other day because with all that's going on, we're, we're you know, uh, my bride primarily is getting the opportunity to homeschool Annabelle, which 
We got to pray for her. It's a blast, but it's crazy. And so, but Annabelle gets frustrated and then she's like, I do not like you and I do not want you to be my parents and I do not want you to be my teacher anymore. And, and you know, she's just kind of melting down a little bit. No kid ever says that, right? Like, I just don't like you, right? But after it happens, it's like, even if you know she's just at the end of her rope, it still hurts a little bit. Like, you're just like, well, I mean, I'm your, I'm your dad. Like, you're supposed to love me. But when that happens, what do we do? We're teaching our, our daughters to say, hey, listen, you got to be careful with your words, and you don't want to say things that you don't mean, so you should go apologize. Why? Because we're trying to teach her that when stuff goes on, we need to make amends. We need to bring reconciliation. And in a lot of ways, what most people don't realize is that is the big problem with humanity. The biggest problem with humanity is that there is a reconciliation that is needed with God because of our failings. See, Oftentimes people talk about, hey, like, what's going on spiritually in the world? And one of the things that I always tell people is that unless somebody reads the Bible, fallen humanity will never realize that there is a holy God. And, and if you remove a holy God, a God who is perfect, a God who has never failed, a God who always does what is righteous or all the things that pertain to right, if you do not realize that God is a holy God, then all the garbage, all the stuff that we do, all the stuff that we give ourselves a a, a pass for, like, yeah, that wasn't the best, but it's no big deal. No, it's a huge deal because each time we do that, there is a severing in our relationship with God. And reconciliation is an essential part, not only of spirituality, but of the human condition. And what I would say is that if Until a person is reconciled with God, we can actually never truly reconcile with other people. Like, we can try and we can take steps to be cordial, but really, reconciliation is the centerpiece of the Christian faith. And if we are going to understand who Jesus is, we need to see how substantially Jesus has reconciled us first to God and then to ourselves and then to the world around us. So in order to get at that today, I want you to open up your Bibles, Colossians chapter 1. We're going to take verses 19 to 29 together. Colossians 1, verses 19 to 29. So if you're flipping through the Bible, I want you to go to Paul's letter to the Colossians chapter 1, right in between uh, Paul's letter to uh, the Philippians, and then after this, 1 Thessalonians. So if you get to First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus, Revelation, turn left. Maybe see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Maybe see one of the prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Jeremiah, Psalms. Turn to the right. Go find Colossians chapter 1. Or, of course, if you are uh, using a digital device, open up your favorite Bible app, browser window, type in Colossians 1, verses 19 to 29. And so we're going to jump on in as we continue to seek to understand who Jesus is, looking at Paul's letter to the Colossians. So it says this in verse 19 of Colossians 1. It says, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And so really what we see right away is that the cross brings reconciliation. And so in order to understand who Jesus is, we have to realize that the cross brings this reconciliation. 
Now, I remember growing up, you know, we would go to a church, and we didn't really talk too much about what we were learning at church, but we would go, and there was uh, this a crucifix on the back wall, and there was this cross, and there was Jesus, and he would, he would be hanging on the cross. And I remember, I would, as a young child, I remember I'd go look, and it was, like, obviously a very uh, provocative picture, but it, it, I didn't understand what it meant. It, like, it never meant anything. Like, what is that? Like, and, and it was only later that I realized how powerful of a picture it is because the cross is where Jesus brings reconciliation to the world. But as a young person, I just didn't understand what it was at all. Now, if we jump into the text here, it begins with, for it pleased the Father that in Jesus all the fullness should dwell. Now, I mean, talk about a substantial statement right up top, that God was pleased that in Jesus all of the fullness of God should dwell. And, and Paul's going to bring this back a little bit later in the book of Colossians. But really what he's saying is that Jesus was God in flesh. All of the fullness of God dwelt within Jesus, within his body. So when you think about Jesus dying on the cross, the idea is that God is taking himself to make sure that he could bring the reconciliation. The dead is so big that God is like, I'm going to do this myself. And so it's not that God was frustrated or Jesus was running away or he was angry. This was, it pleased God to take on flesh in the person of Jesus. And it pleased God that all of his fullness should dwell within the confines of the human condition. And, and, and obviously it's like, and we keep saying this, I want you to Go deep in the book of Colossians, so much deeper than I can give you unless we did a thousand messages on, on, on Paul's letter to Colossians. So even like the verse 19 is a deep concept here. All the fullness. When you think about, when you think about who is Jesus, it's Jesus is the fullness of God in human skin. And don't ever think, because sometimes people think, oh, this doctrine of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, like they're kind of mad at one another. Like when sometimes yeah, I had someone recently asked, you know, well, when we baptize people, do you, how do you baptize them? Do you do it in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? And I'm like, well, yeah, we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I don't think if we baptize people in the name of Jesus, the Father's like all mad about that. In the same way, it's like people are like, well, how should we pray? Should we pray to the Father? Should we, is it okay to ask the Holy Spirit for help? I'm like, when you ask the Spirit of God to, for help, Jesus isn't like, why are you talking to the Spirit? Like, he's not insecure about it. It's one God. Interacts with people in three persons. And so Paul is unpacking with, it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. Unpacking a heresy that was going on in the church in, in Colossae, saying that, by believing in Jesus, you dishonor the Father. And don't miss, that heresy still plays in some segments of the world today. Where that if you believe in Jesus, if you believe that Jesus is God in flesh, that now the Father is upset with you. No, no, no. It's right here. It pleased the Father. This is God's plan. It was his will. All through the Gospels, you see Jesus saying, I always do those things which please my Father. Father, glorify me. As I seek to glorify you, I mean, it's, it's, it's all right there for us. But once you realize that Jesus, within Jesus, all the fullness dwells, then it says, and by him, by Jesus, in whom all the fullness of God dwells, by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. And so really what we see here is that 
Jesus's death ultimately is redemptive, that the purpose of what Jesus came to do and why he came to do it was simply to make peace, to reconcile to God all things because of the work of the cross. And then, of course, if you keep going here, it says, and you who were once, verse 21, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. And so really what we have here is, is that God did a work of reconciliation through the cross. And, and Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 14 to 16, says the exact same thing. Listen, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to those who are far off, and to those who are near, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, you hear what's being said there. Really what's going on is that Jesus' ability to bring reconciliation came through his own death on the cross. And if you think about how reconciliation works, somebody has to pay the price for what has been broken. I always use the same analogy of this, and I I think it's an important analogy. Imagine you invited me over to your house for dinner, and if you do that, thank you very much, because you know I love to eat, right? And imagine I came over to your house. We had a great time, right? We're we're eating, and we're having fun, and then when I go to leave, you you have a, a mailbox at the end of your driveway, but because I'm from New Jersey, I don't drive so great. Not that everyone in New Jersey doesn't drive well. They think they drive awesome, but listen, if you've ever driven in New Jersey, you know it's a little terrifying, right? So imagine I, back, I go to back out of your driveway and I plow over your mailbox. Now, because I am a pastor and I love Jesus, I stop saying, hey, I'm so sorry. I just totally plowed over your mailbox. Now, when that happens, there has been a, this is a great analogy. You can imagine this happening. Because there has now been something that has been broken, somebody has to pay to get it fixed. And maybe you say, oh, Pastor Daniel, listen. Don't worry about the mailbox. I'd love to fix it. Maybe you do that because you very much like things the way you like it. You're a little nervous. It won't be straight. I might choose a bad mailbox, whatever the reason is, right? So in that case, I broke something, but now you're saying, hey, I'm going to do it because I want to do it my way. Or I say, oh, no, 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 listen, let me do it, right? And then you're like, okay, well, you know, Daniel, you want to do it. You broke it. You fix it. Great. I'll let you do it, right? Then I'm paying for it. But imagine if I just pulled out, I plow it over, I don't even come and talk to you about it, right? But, but you're smart. You're a 21st century person. you got security cameras. And sure enough, you look on the cameras, and there's Fusco backing out, blowing the thing up, and I just drive away. Is there an issue? Of course there's an issue. I can't believe he did that. He's supposed to be a Christian, let alone a pastor. What kind of a pastor breaks your mailbox, doesn't even come talk to you about it? See, in order for what's been broken to be put back together, it has to cost somebody something. 
And because there is this enmity between God and man, because God is perfect and we are not, because God never fails and we fail, there's this brokenness between us. And Jesus, in and of himself, through the cross, in his own body, took the punishment to reconcile us. And what is so powerful is not only does the cross bring reconciliation, but really as we continue reading down, we learn that Jesus reconciles his enemies. Jesus reconciles his enemies. Because look what it says in verse 21. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. See, Jesus reconciles enemies. Now, it's one thing for people who were close, like like in the analogy that I use, it's not the best analogy, but like you invited me over for dinner. But imagine if I was your total enemy. Like everything about my life is the antithesis of what you would ever value. That I am the, the, when you think of the person who you like the least in the world, that I'm that person. Now imagine dying for that person. And that's exactly what Jesus did. I see, and that's why I love following Jesus. Because when Jesus says, hey, listen, don't just love your friends. He says, love your enemies. Jesus actually did that because I was Jesus' enemy and he loved me enough to die on a cross for my sins. See, it's such a radical endeavor when you understand the way Jesus is. Because listen, we live in a divided world right now. We live in a polarized world right now. And when you realize if you follow Jesus and you understand Jesus, you're like, oh, no, no, listen. Jesus died for his enemies. Everything about my life was in rebellion against God. But while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. You don't believe me. Listen to what Paul told the church in Rome. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 to 10. Where he says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. See, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus, through the cross, reconciles his enemies. Now, that should bring tremendous hope to your heart. Because all of us, all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. All of us have made mistakes. Some of our mistakes were huge and catastrophic. Other of our mistakes might seem small and inconsequential. But no matter if the life that you have lived is just a, has a wake of carnage after everything's gone wrong. Everyone's been hurt or whether you did your best, but you know that you've never been the person that you could have been in that situation. For both of us, through Jesus' death, there's reconciliation. Although there was a relationship that was broken, Jesus came to heal it. And I remember when I was in the, throes of addiction. There was no concept of God. And I remember when I started thinking about, and, and God was working on my heart through the death and resurrection of Jesus, when I realized that there was nothing that I could do that could keep me from God's forgiveness if I said yes to Jesus. And it blew my mind. I, like, I couldn't even believe it, knowing where I had been, knowing the things that I have done, knowing the mistakes that I had made. 
And the same is true for you. Listen, I don't want anybody, I don't want any of you to think that, yeah, maybe Jesus can reconcile all those church people, but not me. No, listen, no matter how far away you are from God, Jesus can reconcile you to God. He's already done the work through the cross. He has already given up his life. Although in our wickedness and in our rebellion against God, we were God's enemies, we've been reconciled when a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus. Because look what it says. Verse 21, and you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by the wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Now, notice that. You were enemies. You were alienated. There's wickedness. When a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, notice what it says. To present you holy and blameless and without reproach. That's what the finished work of Jesus does when it's applied to our lives by faith. You went from being alienated, wicked, enemies, and now as God is holy, he has set us apart, made us holy. The blood of Jesus, though we were full of blame, we've done everything wrong, now we are blameless, right? Although we were completely, we would do a million things wrong, now we're above reproach in his sight. But don't miss the fact, and I don't want you to miss verse 23, because look at what it says. And I think this is really important. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. There is this need for us to continue on to abide in Jesus. And unfortunately, as a pastor, you see often that people, they will say yes to Jesus, but will they continue in the faith? Will they stay grounded? Will will there be a perseverance in it? But what happens is oftentimes when we need reconciliation, we'll come to Jesus, but then we don't stay. I've always heard it said that in our darkest moments, we cry out to God, and then when God answers our prayers, then we move back to moving away from him. And it's a tragedy, and it shouldn't happen. And I'm sure that right now, there are some of you right now that you've said yes to Jesus, but you were actually in the process of not being grounded in the faith. You're not continuing. You came for a season, and now you're slowly falling away. But don't miss the fact that what God wants to do is not just a a momentary thing. It's a thing for a whole life. There's nothing worse than being reconciled and then losing contact by attrition, by apathy, where you just start moving away. So the key for us is we want to keep on believing in Jesus. We want to, because God has reconciled us to himself, we are his enemies, we want to stay tight in that relationship. We want to keep growing in that relationship. And as we do that, then we continue to blossom and God continues to do the work he wants to do. We're so glad you stayed with us today as Pastor Daniel shared God's hope that you would turn to him and be reconciled through the work of Jesus. When you say yes to Jesus, he wipes your slate clean, making you holy and blameless. Pastor Daniel urged you to keep leaning into God after you make that decision. When you stay close, what the Bible calls abiding, 
you'll give him the opportunity to help you grow so that you can serve others and live the full and complete life that he wants you to have. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy and the hard reality is if it isn't messy for you now, it will be and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at jesusisrealradio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share more about reconciliation. You'll see that God hopes that you will respond to what He's done in your life by telling others about who He is and what He's about. God wants you not only to share the good news of His love and forgiveness with your words, to be his representative in how you live. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Understanding Jesus. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.